All right, I guess I'm doing this. Feelings matter, bro. It's a new world. Welcome to the Social Mayhem Podcast. I am your host, Nahum. Join me as we dive into the challenges and opportunities of navigating the muddy waters of modern day life as we sit down with the creators, artists, storytellers, and builders paving the way and helping us find meaning in this mayhem. Let's do this. Well, looks like I am doing this again. I'm honored to have with us today, Donald Bass. Donald is a man of multiple talents. He's a music producer, an artist, and currently works for NPR news affiliate KPPC in Los Angeles, where he performs duties as an audio engineer for numerous radio shows and podcasts. Donald is also a co-host at the West Box Score podcast, which covers the LA sports market, which just so happens to be the largest sports market in the world. There's a lot we can cover today, but we want to focus a bit on what it takes to launch anything in 2021. Whether it's a podcast, a music project, a business, a vlog, we're going to break down the unique opportunities of our times as well as the obstacles of cutting through all this noise. Donald has also been a great helping hand in helping me launch my own podcast. He's also the producer responsible for the beat you hear in the background, so it's only fitting that I have him as my second guest. Donald, welcome to the show. You're my first remote remote podcast yeah thank you so much Pod- for having me man loving it i mentioned how you've helped me launch this podcast and yeah you pretty much suggested let's let's do a remote one even though you're here in la let's yeah. do a, a remote one so that i can kind of get the hang yeah of- man. getting the experience bro i know it's funny like we did this at uh what it was a buffalo wild wings right south Pasadena, or was it it's pasadena south pasadena ish yeah and uh, i remember you told me like yeah i have this idea for a podcast and then obviously your life experience, I was kind of like blown away. I was like, dude, you got to just do it at this point. Just just get something, get whatever you have and Anything. just hit record and just talk. Just start talking yeah. and, and then we'll see what happens afterwards, you know, but just yeah, do it. it. Was, yeah, you're right. And I, I mean, I don't know why I'd had the idea in my head. I knew I was there. There's something here. There podcasts, you know, there's something happening. And then I'm talking to you and I'm that's when I was like, you know what? That's it. Enough is enough. And and, you know, I started it's a it's a bit of a learning curve but at the same at the same time you could start with a phone you can start with just a phone and sitting together with your buddy so at the end of the day it is and it isn't but you know nowadays there is a a quality curve that people want to want to hit and we're audio we're audio guys both of us so there's always a you know we we want to have a certain quality and and that takes a little bit of work and uh, but yeah you've you've helped You've helped shown me the ropes a little bit. And yeah, man, really appreciate that. Yeah, no, for sure, man. I think one of the things I definitely learned, um, I remember having a conversation with my co-host, Sonny Hermano at the West Fox Court. Um, he has his own podcast too with his cousin, Primo Rick. It's called The Fox Crate. Um, and the thing about it is I remember hearing it and I told him, like, dude, you guys sound so good. And he was telling me his process of how he records it, you know, like how, you know, he has a, an, well, I mean, back then this is pre-pandemic. So literally yeah. like he had to, you know, set it up in person and everything. And I think what happened is he told me like, you know, uh, when, when I started doing the West Box Score with Alex, um, he, you know, he was giving me props about like the, the, the sound quality, which is kind of funny because it's not really for us audio nerds. It's the conversation's great. But the fact that yeah. like it sounds like you're in the same space like in the same yeah. room um, is something that just kind of is mind blowing when, when you realize 
like people don't understand like you guys are never in the same room like for me and alex like we're never in the same room we're always on like a via zoom call or whatever and because even popular podcasts I'll, I'll i've listened to they have a remote guest and you can tell that this is a phone call this is a zoom call yeah so yeah. when you told me you guys were remote in your podcast yeah i, I was blown away yeah exactly and that's what that's what and literally everybody i've I talked to didn't realize that they really thought we met in person every time um and uh you know what's, what's crazy is he told me um you got to establish the quality first like the sound quality first before you can kind of start getting away with stuff i think uh more established podcasters that do um better numbers and whatnot they can get away with just getting the the, the guy on zoom the, the guest on yep. zoom and it's sounding like the zoom call um but for, i think for the most part if you're just starting out i would definitely make the effort um to really try to get like a uh, in studio kind of vibe going for sure so absolutely yeah once you have name recognition once you know joe rogan and alex yeah. jones I, I don't care if they're recording on a on a tape deck right that's gonna you know that's gonna be a wild a wild interview yeah so. yeah, yeah. But, you know i'm not alex jones and neither are you <laughs> we yeah. don't have that kind of uh those kind of views or controversy or following so uh, i get why there's like a a, a little bit of a a need and, and it, it's just i don't know there's just something about having that studio quality vocal that's just yeah. there's just something about it for sure yeah 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 no and, and the thing is this too is that like uh you know you and i we come from the same kind of uh uh timeline that like when you wanted to make anything in the studio in terms of like especially for music you had to go to guitar center like yep. there was no other way around it bro like you had to go i remember when i started wanting to make beats I had to go to Guitar Center and buy like the interface. I ended up getting mic cables. I bought a microphone just in case I wasn't a rapper, but I thought, you know, if I wanted some, someone wanted to come record, I wanted to be prepared. Yep. Um, and then, you know, buying a MIDI piano and all that stuff. Like those were the things you just had to do. There was no other way you were doing it. And then if you wanted to learn Pro Tools, you bought Pro Tools and everything. And I thought it was interesting that like, you know, now there's all these tools, especially on the phone where you could just open up an app and it does a lot of that work for you in terms of, building it so then people don't have to go to stores and do it so sometimes i think that's why um a lot of podcasters have a hard time with the whole like needing to go buy like gear to to, to get their stuff started and i think honestly for me like it's not that expensive compared to what we were paying for back in the day for music stuff you know what i mean that, that's what i was gonna that's what i was just thinking right now the right it's a little overwhelming because there's so many different avenues even i was even i who have been recording who i have my own interface was kind of apprehensive about which kind of route to go with with, with all this with yeah. all this, with all the gear but yeah that's one thing i've realized because i kind of stepped away from music for a couple of years it was i mean not not that long i was like three years when i was in texas and you know and hitting the corporate marketing world yeah. i didn't touch music and i remember coming back and starting to buy plugins and going to guitar center and i was just blown away but by how much you can buy now there's plug-in bundles for like $50 subscription bundles that you just pay. Yeah. You can get Pro Tools now for like 40, 40 bucks a month. Yeah. That, that was unheard of. Back then you had to, you had to dump $500 yep. on an interface. You had to another, another 200 bucks on a basic mic. And then Pro Tools was, I mean, I, back in the, when I, when I came in, it was, it was still, I mean, I'm about to age myself, but when I started recording, it was um, DigiDesign. Yeah. And, I remember and, too. Yeah, and you had to get the end box with the Pro Tools bundle, yeah. and that cost six hundred bucks. Yeah, Pro Tools <laughs> LD. I had the empowered one. Yeah, that was my first one. Okay. Pro Tools eight. M that was the next. 
Yep. Which that was, was the next generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had to get like an M audio uh, interface, uh, the Fast yeah. Track Two or something, something like that. It was crazy. Yeah, and that's why I think like, man, like I don't know. I think to me, it's it's worth it, man. Like if if you see what we had to pay for a bunch of this stuff, and and a lot of it still being unsure whether we're really gonna fully utilize it to the most, but we dropped the the cash for it. You know, KRK yeah. speakers alone were like 150 per, so that's 300 bucks, like you said. You know, microphones were not as cheap as they are now. Now we can get this pod mic for 100 bucks, which is a yep. really good mic to get started with. And then you think about it, you're like, wow, like, you know, if you put in like three to 500 bucks, you kind of have a nice little podcast setup that can be mobile too, because my, my rig is mobile. I could take it wherever yep. I want. I don't need to, yep. and it doesn't have to stay in my room. And it's crazy. Like, I think I spent less on this than actual music gear when I was doing it back when, back when I got started, back in 05, 06 and all that. So Yeah. And what's cool is that the, the hybrid aspect of it, how I can use this interface to actually do some tracking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool, too. Yeah, no, exactly, man. But yeah, I think there's just so many ways. That's why when you told me, I'd say, dude, just... You have the gear already, man. Just just hit record, bro. Yeah. You 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 had done an EP like over the pandemic and everything, and I was just like, dude, you got it. You got to just got to start hitting up people and be I like, know. let's start booking. Let's start booking a guest list and and just hit record and see what happens. What what conversations come out? We don't know, you know. Exactly, and I feel one one of the things I want to talk about your your current gig at yeah. um, KPCC. You guys are affiliated with NPR, right? Yeah, yeah. So I work at 89.3 FM KPCC in Pasadena, California. And uh, yeah, we are an NPR affiliate station. I'm actually a uh, studio technician there at the moment. So yeah. And, uh, you know, that was the radio gig. Obviously, you know me from doing music behind that. Before that, I was working a bunch of retail gigs like Starbucks, Chase, Bank. Um, Grateful grateful to work those places. I learned a lot about coffee and I learned a lot about finances. So that was cool. And then uh, I got this radio gig and I think definitely it solidified me as to like me wanting to be all in on audio production for sure. Not just music production, but now audio production because I definitely um, also like editing podcasts as well outside of the West Box Tour. But I, I also freelance for uh, a podcast network, Blue Wire Hustle. I mean, not Blue Wire. I also freelance as well uh, for another podcast network, Blue Wire Um and I would work on two shows for them there. That's uh, Insight with Chris Van Vliet. He interviews a bunch of wrestlers and a bunch of uh, different people. He had a uh, Grant Cardone on one time. It was pretty crazy. Wow. It was wild. I was like, what the heck is that? But yeah, um, yeah, he's, he's trying to get out there and interview different types of people and get people to think about, um, you know, kind of be more thought leaders and, and experts in their, in their fields. And like what makes them great, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's really cool. I like I like mixing guy that guy's show. It's really great. And then the other one I do is uh the Bronx Pinstripes, which is a Yankees podcast. And oh, uh boy. right right now it's a little what tough because they What are you doing, bro? <laughs> I know, right? Hey, they assigned it to me and I said, All right, let's do it. And then once they told me how much I was gonna get paid, I was like, All right, yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll take it. But yeah, man, but like I said, like I you know, that that I think KPCC definitely opened up my mind to oh other possibilities because for the most part, I did feel like, oh, man, if I don't make it in this music thing, I don't know, like, I'm going to have to really work like a like a day job I hate or something. And uh, working at the radio station definitely opened up my eyes to, like, what's possible with podcasts and all that stuff. And, and, and definitely the pivot is being seen for sure. Like, even just amongst the NPR world in general, like, podcasts at NPR really mean a lot now. I, I see the kind yeah. of resources they're throwing behind them. 
and it's insane, man. But uh, it's been it's been crazy. But yeah, KPCC has been fun. The fascinating thing of having you on is that one of the themes that I reference all the time in the podcast is this whole. I mean, it's creators of the new world, right? Yeah. That's one of that's kind of like my tagline, and I'm trying to figure out what this post mainstream world is called. But I I feel like we've I mean, it's it's not something I feel. It's obvious that we've we're in a new era where we're in a post mainstream world. There mm-hmm. isn't a a media monoculture where we all gather together the next day to discuss what Conan did. Right? Yeah, we still like the the old structures still make their way to through new delivery systems. Right? Things still go viral, but only very few things. Like very few, like I had no idea the Conan show was ending, that he was ending until I saw his ending monologue. Yeah. And that that made its way into my periphery. So there's just so much. And that's us. Like we're 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 pretty connected to all these things. But think about kids in schools. They don't have that. I don't think we've fully grasped the fact that we're the way information is processed is so different for them than from for us. They have their own little micro tribes. Like for them, the the big event was that What's that one video game where they had Travis Scott For, oh, do Fortnite. that concert in Fortnite? Yeah, that that blew my mind. Like that was they have like a literal virtual gathering, and nobody had a clue. Like nobody outside of that world understood. And this was huge. Like this yeah. was a live event inside yeah. of a video game. But anyways, I'm going too much into yeah. into that aspect of it. What I'm talking about is the this 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 pivot, right? Yeah. This this breakdown of the old media world the big players who used to define hey this is the narrative this is what's popular this is what hits mm-hmm. we're shifting away from that and as somebody who has been in that in the radio and you know that world i feel like you're witnessing firsthand the pivot away from radio and television towards mediums like podcasting yeah can you go a little bit into like how that's been from your perspective, I, I feel like there's a little bit of tension, right? Have people begrudgingly adopted this medium? Yeah, I will say that you, now that you mentioned that, um, I did see, I did sense when I first started at KPCC, um, it was my introduction to public radio. I didn't realize that that was a thing, that like public media was what it was. I mean, I knew PBS, right? Grew up on PBS, yep. Sesame Street, stuff like that. But you only think of it as like a kid's thing. You don't think of it as like, oh, there's these other shows that also people like that are grown up list- watch and listen to. And they and that they there's a culture around it, that this public radio culture, it's its yeah. own little tribe, like you said. And I will say when I got in, I might have gotten in at the cross point of when digital was already kind of making its way into the the main not I want to say mainstream, but definitely the main um, attraction to what every NPR radio station would have to eventually come out with. And that's, and that's interesting to watch from the inside because I do, I do sense that a lot of the older generation, like baby boomers, kind of don't 100% like it um, because of the fact that it's taken away from what they're used to, like how they're used to consuming all this. Inf- again, because this is all news at the end of the day. Like yeah. it's a news station it's create it covers news npr covers news um and i think for the most part like i think uh the older generation has a hard time the younger generation like millennials and gen z are loving it we're like yeah more podcasts 
more shows that talk about different things outside of just the you know the white elite liberal perspective which honestly npr i think has been really guilty of kind of like uh covering everything through that lens you know um now we're seeing a lot of different kind of stories from minorities and and minorities are being are being given platforms and voices and and we're starting to see like a uh, radio host be you know of a minority group you know um yeah. whether they're latinos latinas um black uh you know a lot of lgbt cube uh posts are coming up and i think that like um it's different you know it's different before it wasn't that when i came in i think i was towards the end of it you know i saw the the, the shift happen and i could see that like you know um different people had different reactions to it and i think that um going into podcasting uh it's definitely it's definitely become a thing now too where um like you mentioned joe rogan earlier like you know i think for the most part you can't talk about podcasting now without talking about joe rogan like he's the yeah he's the icon of this space almost a lot and it's opened up a lot like the whole space of podcasting i remember uh man i want to say maybe 10 years ago uh podcasting was like a sandbox to a radio show yeah. like if you had a good enough podcast eventually a, a public radio show would pick it up and now it would be placed on a on a program schedule for the radio like this american life you know started off as like a podcast and then it became a radio show because it did enough numbers for it to be picked up you know what i mean and i think now it's the reverse now all these shows are being built for the podcast audience for that only and not trying to put them on any sort of uh radio space at all and just yeah it's shove, become its own space right yeah you just shove a bunch of advertisements and then you're good you know what i mean you kind of make the same amount of money you know so one uh people listening now can probably tell that there's a bit of a familiarity between you and I we're like friends in real life but one thing I I guess I forgot to mention to the listener was that uh Donald and I went to we went to high school together right yeah. so we've known each other since you were you were a freshman yeah. I was a I was a junior I was three years yeah yeah, yeah. I forgot we played football together yeah, we, played we basketball basketball. I wouldn't call what we were doing basketball, yeah. but, but our football team, I, I will stand by our football team. We weren't the best, but yeah. we, we were, we put on, we put on some valiant effort out there oh, for man. a small private school. We were playing some, I mean, we played against players that are, that ended up, some made it to the NFL. Yeah. They didn't like stick around for too long, but they made it. And that's the kind of people we were playing and we were really, yeah. I wouldn't call us a magnet school, but we were a... We were a small school. Yeah, we were a private we had, school. Small private yeah. school. But yeah, some good adventures there. And there's always a bond that develops whenever you play football together. But then, you know, after high school, we once I left, I got into music. And then you graduated. You got into music. Yeah. And I feel like that, that always kept us yeah. uh, connected to each other. Because back in the day, it was I mean, it still is. Music is such a collaborative yeah. uh community of you know creators and yeah. i i remember going to your place over on rampart um yeah. near rampart to to you you gave me the rundown on ableton right you told me how it works and that i was just blown away i'm like man i've been doing this the hard way trying to make beats on pro tools like oh, just yeah, recording yeah, organic yeah. sounds so yeah man it was it was it's it's always i've learned a lot from you always right so yeah. so okay so now let's get back to what you're doing now i know i mean you're working at the station but you also are the host of a podcast, the West Box Score Podcast. Mm -hmm. Tell us how that came about and tell us how that's going. Um, that's going good. Um, obviously, we, we, we do a show every week. Um, 
and uh, we primarily focus on LA sports. Though sometimes, it, as we're starting to realize now, it, when it's a little slow, um, and by slow I mean like, you know, and it's the All Star break for the MLB. As at the time of us taping this right now, All Star break for the MLB. I mean, Dodgers just d- d- had a series, and um, MLS is there, but it's all the academy kids because all the players are on international duty. Yeah, it's kind of tough to talk about a team when it's not hundred percent there, and then you know, basketball is over. Football hasn't started yet, so it's kind of a lull moment right now. We had the Euros and the Copa America, though. Yeah, so that's what we did. We ended up doing an episode on the Copa America and the Euros, and then we did another episode on UFC 264 because Alex, my co-host, is a big UFC guy. And really, he was was the catalyst of getting this show started. It was me and Alex have been working together at the station. He's been there longer than I have, but it was kind of funny. I I was in the studio... Uh, on my shift and he was working the morning shift at the time he was working the morning drive and he just comes up to me and he's been kind of talking about wanting to start a podcast and that he's always been wanting to do one where he could talk about sports because he's because okay so this is the thing when you work in an NPR environment like unless you're a newsy J school graduate type like you kind of think that the place is just kind of like Oh, like a little too much into politics and you're not that mm. you're you personally are not that like enamored with it like you just don't don't feel like you're like oh like yeah that's that's totally like sometimes you're just like ah, all right well that happened you know it's 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 terrible it happened but it's you know you can i will say it can make you a little numb at least for me it can you can get a little numb to news you know so sometimes you hear some stuff that's really hard to listen to but like you you hear it enough after a while you kind of you, you you just get numb to it so, you know, obviously it's sports like ASMR. Is- <laughs> <laughs> it's like NPR ASMR. Yeah, pretty- <laughs> and the thing is is that like, you know, so we, what happens is a lot of our friends at at, at or a lot of our coworkers, they're all into sports. It's like we're just we just yep. talk about it. We'll have ESPN on, we'll have FS1 on the screens and just watch that. Um, especially if there's a game on or whatever. And uh, Alex was just like, dude, I've been wanting to start a podcast where I could just talk about sports. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. He's like, would you be down to like kind of do like a test run with me? And the first episode that we did, which is the pilot episode, was actually done over a phone call. Like he calls me and I have the phone hooked up to the to the interface so I can reference his track. Wow. And we're basically recording on our mic like how you and I are. And that was our first episode. This was over the phone. So we're not even seeing each other. We're just hearing each other. But you know yeah. what? Like it made me realize like, you know, like, yeah, we could do the Zoom thing. And that's great. But like we're not like we're not we grew up talking to friends on the phone yeah you're right it shouldn't feel weird to be on the phone it just shouldn't so we knocked it out we knocked out the pilot episode and if you go back you listen to it and you listen to that to where we're at now which has been over a year you're gonna realize like oh shoot like you know it's completely we were so green and whatnot but we kind of had an idea so what happened is we did the pilot episode and it was like around maybe a 20 25 minute one because we we we, we didn't know what we were doing and and there was at the same time this was in the middle of the pandemic. Like everything got shut down. This was around June. Oh, so okay. there was no sports at oh, all. Okay. There was nothing. So all we started off with was the MLS's back tournament got announced. So that was the first episode. He's like, so the MLS is back. That was weird, by the way. <laughs> that, that tournament was really weird. Yeah, right? But, 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 I, I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of get back into that frame of mind after, especially this summer that we've had like such a glorious summer of sports and soccer and it's, it's still going. Yeah. But to imagine that a year ago, nothing was on. No. Literally nothing was on. No. And 
part of me misses it, but it was also, it, it was nuts. And it, it, it was, it was just very, very weird to just have that. Yeah. Right. Nothingness. Yeah. The rotation. Um, of nothing. It just, yeah. Cause so much of our rhythms, mental rhythms revolve around sports, yeah. right? Like, all right, it's summer baseball. Yeah. It's summer, all these, you know, different things, but yeah, that was, that was, that was a very interesting time. And, and, um, yeah. And I guess I, I can totally see why, dude. Let's start a podcast about sports, and I I could see why people would want to listen yeah. to it because that's the only show in town right now. Okay, so let me let me give everybody who's listening a little bit of a background on the significance of having an LA themed sports uh, podcast. Uh, LA is a very unique market in that it's literally the biggest sports market in the world. Yeah. Right? You have, or we're in a period of. You have, I mean, we have the Lakers, the Clippers playing downtown. You have USC football at the Coliseum. Mm -hmm. Next to the Coliseum, you have a new, brand new stadium, Bank of California for LAFC, mm -hmm. um, the, the new MLS team that's here, that's here in LA. You have um, Dignity Health Sports Park, the LA Galaxies Stadium and Carson. Five-time MLS Cup There's champion. Five-time MLS Cup champion, yeah. LA Galaxy. Because the LAFC people call the, us Carson Galaxy. And I'm like, all right, whatever. As long as you say that we're the five-time MLS Cup champion, Galaxy. From Carson. We'll be like, and it, it's so funny. It's literally 10, I, I mapped it out, 10 minutes away. It's 10 miles away. Car, like the, their stadium and ours is literally a 10-mile drive down <laughs> down the 110. And we're closer to, I was, I was ragging on people. I'm like, we're closer to Carson's closer to Compton and, and all those areas. And um, you guys are safety safely nestled in exposition park. So like, <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys have ton of security there, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so LA is a very, LA is a very huge, like incredibly huge market. Now we have two MLS teams. The LA galaxy has been here since the beginning. Yeah. And then two, two, three years ago, mm -hmm. um, LAFC came in and as a marketer, they, they did one of the most incredible um, expansion marketing campaigns I've ever seen. Yeah. And nothing but respect for the organization for doing that. Well, who's behind it? Will Ferrell and a, a couple of people are behind it, yeah, right? Yeah, they have a bunch and, of owners. It's uh, Yeah, Will Ferrell, Magic Johnson. Um, mm -hmm. Dang, a lot of these people are slipping my mind, but I know some of them are celebrities too. Yeah, yeah. I know they had a big... They had a big yeah, they had a lot of big names. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, like, right that. now, too, they announced the women's team that's coming to L.A., Angel City. Mm -hmm. So those are the ones I have in my mind right now, like Natalie Portman, mm -hmm. you know, yep. um, Abby Wambach. That's cool, too. Huh? Yeah, that's cool, yeah, too. Yeah, like Abby that's, Wambach um, and um, uh, who else? They have they have a lot of people behind them, too. So that's a cool little rollout, too, that they're doing. That's That also is another team we're going to be following. I think, I think Sonny and Alex already got like the deposit for the season tickets there. So nice. we're definitely gonna be following that because we feel like that's important to talk about too. So. Yeah. So there's that, there's all those teams. There's so many inner city rivalries, the Lakers and the Clippers, the LAFC and, and the LAFC and the LA galaxy, the five time MLS champion <laughs> LA galaxy, the new Inglewood stadium. Yeah. So the Rams, the chargers, there's just so much yeah. going on. And on top of that, that new stadium that just opened hasn't even had a full event yet. No. Um, it's going to be hosting a college football championship. It's going to be hosting a Super Bowl in two mm -hmm. years. It's going to be hosting a World Cup mm -hmm. in 2026. 
and it's going to be the opening of the Olympics in 20, 2028. So you have the center of the sports world for the entire decade yeah. here in LA. So there's there must be so many opportunities. Mm -hmm. I feel like you guys are just how many episodes in? We're like are you around guys? over seventy now. Um, and it's it was one thing we were doing them once a week, and then now we're doing them two times a week. And we realized that the the more you do, the more numbers you get. Because at the end of the day, it's it's if you really if, if you want to get so if wait, you want twice a week, you're doing. Yeah, yeah. We're so we try oh. to roll out like at least on a Monday and a Wednesday. Um, but sometimes it's not perfect because we have day jobs, yep. so we always try to accommodate to it. Um, and and we'll maybe put it out Tuesday, Thursday, or whatever. Um, if we were like a day behind, but overall, like uh, the feedback we've been getting is people have been loving it. People love the chemistry of the show. That's what I hear a lot, and I think that that's what I learned is that above. I I really enjoy that. Yeah, too. I I yeah. think above content, uh, chemistry is more important. Like you and your co-host being able to get along and. And be able to like kind of you know go back and forth riff really well. Vibe. That makes a bigger difference than the kind of stuff you're talking about. Um, because then eventually after a while you realize they're they're listening to you than they are what whatever you're covering or whatever. And um, yep. like you mentioned right now, all the teams that are in LA, like that was a big part of why we wanted to continue doing it week after week. Um, after the uh the LAFC LA Galaxy thing at MLS's back tournament. Um, we wanted to keep doing it because, man, we're realizing that, you know what, like L.A. culture isn't really known for sports. Like people think we really because, again, we have a lot of distractions. We got beaches. We got parks. We got different things. We got Disneyland. We got Universal Studios. Hollywood. So, like, yeah. people don't realize, like, how rich the sports culture is in L.A. Like, well, we get a bad rap, especially I think we're known for the typical Laker bandwagon yeah. fan base. And that's. That's something that's always bothered me, too, because we're kind of co-opted by the transplant to move here. And Stable Center is the place to be. Courtside is the place to be. Yeah. And that becomes the picture of this is the L.A. fan, right? These celebrities yeah. and these A-list and, you know, all these people. But for us natives who've been here, who... You know, we're inner city kids, yeah. right? You, I grew up in Highland yeah. Park. Where, where, where I moved around a lot, though, but I, I grew up in MacArthur Park mostly um, Dude, as, a, as, a, as, as a teenager, as uh, Echo Park as a kid. Uh, actually, like in middle school, it was like um, middle school was MacArthur Park. And then in, in elementary school, I was in Exposition Park near where LAFC is at. Yeah. But back then, Exposition Park was not what it looks like now. Like it's it was uh, super yep, ghetto yep. back there. Back then, you did not want to live there. But now... Now it's it's gentrified. Like USC, basically USC bought a lot of the property there and, and made sure that it yep. looked like a college campus. That whole neighborhood. So yeah, they they made it nice and safe so that LAFC could could <laughs> LAFC fans could feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, LA LA has had a very strong working class, and and you know they we're known for the glitz and the glamour, and the kids here that grow up going to games. You know, sitting in the in the back rows of Staples Center, mm -hmm. or you know, a lot of I, I for my first ten NBA games, I couldn't afford to go watch the Lakers at no. Staples. I had to go to watch the Clippers. Yes, Sports Arena. Um, so, yeah, yeah, to the Sports Arena, and then um, at Staples Center, the Clipper tickets were always significantly cheaper, yeah, right? That's true. So, um, and we're watching. I mean, people don't realize. I I was just going through my archives. There's a I found a video of the Lakers. During their rebuilding phase, 
with uh, D'Angelo Russell yeah. when they drafted D'Angelo. They were so bad that they got like the top three picks yeah, and they right. drafted D'Angelo that's Russell. Right. And this was a summer league game in Las Vegas. They fit Laker fans for a summer league game. They were not even preseason. A summer league game filled out the entire place. And he, and Russell hit a, a buzzer. Yeah, beer. yeah. And and the place is going wild. I'm like, this this is the LA fan yeah. base. Like they will travel to Vegas to 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 watch the Lakers during the summer. Yeah. And 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 the way it kind of kept our communities like I don't know. It was like our I, Gary V talks a lot mm -hmm. about this. Like a lot of his, the reason why he's so um, adamant and passionate about the Jets was because as an immigrant, that was his that was his door into America, into American culture. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, he was apprehensive about everything and it's like a fan. And that's kind of how he was easily accepted into the culture. And I felt the same thing. Like I went to school with kids of so many races, Armenians, Filipinos, yeah. um, black, black kids, Hispanic kids. It was a mix white kids, obviously. Yeah. Um, this is America after all, but LA is a different animal, right? Like whites weren't a majority where, where, where I no. was. So, um, but when these teams played, that's what bonded us. That's what kept us all together. Like yeah. old and young, like the bus drivers, like conversations when, when the Lakers were going in those runs, that was a great unifying force. And there's this like feeling of camaraderie amongst LA sports fans that grew up in the 2000s you know that's why the whole kobe retirement was such a a huge hit on us because it felt like this unifying force that kept us together mm -hmm. was wasn't going to be there anymore yeah. and then you know not not to mention you know the the when the unthinkable happened it's some it's a scar we're still yeah. everybody's still carrying so uh, i love that your podcast is kind of shining light on that and i, I feel like i just talked a lot about it but um <laughs> <laughs> but I don't need to plug it yeah, anymore. Like that's, that's <laughs> I know, man. Like that's one of the things I appreciate about that. And you're giving, and you know, you're giving everybody a, a fair voice and there's this respectfulness behind yeah. it. Cause at the end of the day, yeah, like we hate on the Clippers, we hate on LAFC, but at the end of the day, we all cheer on the same other, you know, we have other teams that unite us. Yeah, that's and true. It's a, it's a big source of unity that you guys are bringing. And I can totally see why people are getting yeah. hooked. And it's kind of crazy because it wasn't even like we purposely were like, oh, you have to be like an Angelino to be part of it. Like it just happened to be that Alex, I, Alex, Sonny and I all grew up in L.A., you know, what I mean, in different parts. Yeah. Obviously, I think both of them grew up more like in the east side of L.A. And um, I, and yeah, I think for the most part, it's like the east side of L.A. they grew up on. But yeah. again, I mean, we all come from growing up in like Latino neighborhoods, you know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's the only thing that, like, you know, we are a little unapologetic about being Hispanic and, you know, mentioning in it. Not that we, like, throw it all over the place, but, like, you know, like, we just, we just, we just, we are who we are. And we're not going to try to, like, appease or anything like that, like, to a certain demo just so that we could feel accepted by them. It's more like this is just who we are. You know, we're three native mm -hmm. Angelinos tr just that love L.A. sports and love sports in general, even UFC and other stuff that's not having to do with yep. L.A. Yeah, and then and that's where you kind of go into like global sports yeah, too, exactly. right? Like the Euros and exactly 
and the other cups going on because it is relevant. Yeah. It is yeah. relevant. Yeah. Right. I will say when we first started, though, and once sports started getting back up, it was a little rough because what happened is we realized like, oh, shoot, all these sports stopped and they all started like about a month in between. Like MLS is back. And then like at the end of that month, the NBA started doing a preseason thing. Yeah. The short preseason a season before the bubble. And then yep. um, and then football the was like in that, in that, that. whole like oh, they're going to start on time. They're going to start on time. They're going to start on time. And then they started having COVID issues. And they're like, no, no, they're going to still keep going. And then they started like rescheduling certain teams. But it's like, oh, but they're still going to have a full season and stuff. And then we're like having to figure out, okay, how do we how do we talk about all this? Because it's all happening at the same time. And we've never, we didn't anticipate something like this happening. Um, having to talk about like, you know, the, the MLS season after the tournament was over. And then talking about the Lakers in the bubble, Clippers in the bubble, and then the NFL guys playing their weeks. And then I think, and then obviously the, the baseball season started where, where they only shortened it to like, what, 60-something games. And then the playoffs were going to yep. be in bubbles. And then we're like, wow, it's just really jam-packed. And uh, that was, it, man, what it a It was year. insane. And I thought <laughs> that like, wow, year. like um, I, I, I in my head, I was like, man, I can't wait for like the seasons to be um, kind of just back into their normal rotations because then i feel like it would give us some breathing room here because we're we're having to yeah. keep up with a lot you know what i mean and then sometimes you're like missing certain games you know because it's just so much to watch you know but yeah i think i don't know if i missed it how many episodes in uh about 70 i want to say over 70 for sure 70 yeah dude. yeah okay. so what that's cool because you guys decided you wanted to start this and then you started it and starting is the hardest part mm -hmm. but the second hardest part is keeping it going mm -hmm. and you guys have been able to keep a rhythm what's been that process like what's the preparation how do you how do you go about you know planning the the shows now and now that you're at two that's very insightful by the way the fact that the listenership went up when you started posting more often and i feel like that's kind of a prerequisite towards launching anything nowadays you got to be prime yourself for consistency yeah well yeah i will say that um uh, I think the numbers too. I don't know if this is a testament to the length of it too. Maybe because they were shorter too. Because we did too, but then they started becoming shorter as opposed to doing it all in one and it being like a huge listen. Um, especially because most of it is just sports updates and stuff. And I feel like if we if if, if it was a little bit shorter, maybe it'd be easier to for people to digest. Because um, I don't know how I don't know how podcast listenership goes. I'm not like a super expert on it, but I would think that if you have a two hour episode and then let's say especially for sports, sports can get dated, you know? Um, and let's say you get through the first hour and then the games happen. And now you're thinking, oh, well, I can't listen to the rest of this because it's already going to sound dated because all this, all this stuff already happened. Like the Lakers are already in game three and the guys, these guys are still recapping game two. You know what I mean? It, and game three. Yeah, by that time, you, 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 that the energy of it is gone yeah. already. You're already moved yeah. on. Like. So then that's when I realized like, oh, okay, like maybe we just did two and just kind of segmented them. It'll probably be easier for people to digest, and that way they don't have to worry about like having to finish it. Um, if it was shorter and just quick release, yeah, exactly. So, um, that that's that's how that was. Um, in terms of like how we made that decision. Um, I forgot what was the other part of your question earlier than that. Oh yeah, I was talking about how how do you, how you how do you prepare like, and how do you keep the consistency going? Yeah, the preparation for the consistency is just communication, man. Um, we have a private Telegram group where all three of us are on there, and um, we basically, uh, soon, I mean, we'll, we'll, be, we'll record a podcast, we'll edit it, then we'll publish it. And then somewhere around Wednesday, Thursday, maybe Friday, we'll start talking about, okay, what, what time do you guys want to meet up for the next, for the next episode? And then we'll start hashing out, 
uh, schedules, you know, okay, like Saturday, I could do it at this time. You know, I'm free Saturday at two, uh, from two to four, um, I'm free Saturday night and other people are like, okay, I'm free, uh, Saturday, you know, I'm free Sunday evening, I'm free Sunday afternoon, and then we'll try to match it. And then whichever one is like a good window that we have it, then we'll just do it then and we meet up. And again, this is the part where Zoom comes in handy because now you don't have to think about where you're driving to do it. You just got to make sure you're home and you knock it out. Um, whereas, you know, with LA traffic now, it is kind of tough to do the whole commute thing unless you're that dedicated. And not to say we're not, but we just figured out a good workaround. That's all we did. Um, but really just communicating yeah. every week and being like, okay, when do you guys want to do the next one? Okay. And for example, like, um, you know, and, then, and if we if we can't do the weekend, like Saturday, Sunday, okay, like, are you available on Monday night or Tuesday night? Yeah, I'm available Monday, Tuesday. Okay, cool. And if all three of us can't be on it, okay, can two of us just be on it? Just so that way we get something going. Um, and then sometimes, like, for example, we have our guy, uh, Pablo, who we call Clipper Pablo. He's like our Clipper guy. He loves the Clippers. So for the Clippers stuff that happened recently with the playoffs, we brought him on because he's the guy that, you know, really can talk about it from a fan perspective because we want to feel, yeah. like you said, that regardless of us, you know, whether you're whatever side you're on, the thing is that there are people in L.A. from L.A. that are fans of these teams. So we should be able to highlight them as such and not make it like super biased. But again, that's how we do it. And then even with with someone like Pablo, like I I'll, I would text them during the game be like, hey, uh, we're planning to do a recap of the game three on uh on wednesday on sunday night and uh that's how we kind of just do it but we definitely try to communicate like as far ahead as we can and plan it like like as for the weekend so we'll start to probably start talking to each other wednesday you know hey what's your schedule looking like you know or would you be able to do sunday or whatever and then we'll, we'll go from there how do you keep track of people's feedback how do you track what people are saying who's listening the responses that people have to the episodes well, you know, for the most part, like we try to like encourage people to rate and review us. That'd be like the best way because we definitely would love to get a lot of our feedback from just everybody that's really listening to us. Based on the numbers that I see, I always feel like, you know, we probably get like one or two people or three people telling us something about the show. But then I see the downloads and they're Got like, it. you know, three, four times that much that downloaded it. And it's like, man, yeah. I wish I could hear from all those people because... Yeah, I wish there was like a comment, like a comment yeah. section on each yeah. episode. Like, and that's the thing about podcasts where I feel like it's still like not fully matured medium in that it's so decentralized. You're, it's really a, an RSS feed that's being fed to all these different platforms. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, the, what they're listening to is the same, but the experience of how it works is different. And there's no centralized comment section. But, in a way, that's kind of cool, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting, right? Because it kind of makes you think, like like you said, like there's n there's none of that. But then you kind of wonder, like, how is this going to evolve? Like, how is the the feedback part going to evolve? Because it probably will at some point, Yeah, you know, where it's going to be like there's going to be a place where people can really comment and stuff. And it's not going to be hard. I think the rate and review thing, the reason why I think um, people have to push it a lot is because it's, it is not the easiest thing to do. And I think it's because Apple just is, is not making it any easier. Like you would think Apple would make it easier to rate and review a thing. Just be like, put it in their face or something because it would help. But they don't. They put it all the way at the bottom. Most people don't scroll all the way to the bottom. They just hit play on their episode and they move on. And like you said, the podcast experience is different. It's not like YouTube. YouTube comments go crazy because YouTube makes it obvious that there's a comment section. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and, and almost, I don't, I don't know if you do this, but on. I do this where sometimes I'll watch a video and in the middle of it, I'll start scrolling down the comments to see 
what people are saying about this video because I want to know if my thoughts are the same as theirs, you know? Dude, I see the comments before I see the <laughs> yeah. video. Like the video's rolling and I go straight to the yeah, comments. Yeah, so again, I don't I don't know, but Apple should definitely get on it with that because you know, because again, they have an advantage on that end. Spotify doesn't do that. Spotify just lets you follow podcasts. They don't want you reviewing anything or rating anything. I don't know why. I think what it yeah. is is because Spotify has their own original stuff and they don't want to have their stuff being seen if they get like two, three stars, like they can't promote something that's terrible. So they just promote it and you don't Got know it. if it's terrible or not. You would have to tune in and find out. You have to figure so, it out. There's something to yeah, that too. So it's just one of those things. But um, yeah, man, I think that I would love to get more people to tell me. I know we have our we have our regulars though that do text us and, and, and are on our Discord group that are like, yeah, like, I love this. Or some people say, man, I'm looking forward to the next one and whatnot. And I think that's as much as we get as far as feedback goes. Um, but for the most part, I'm thinking most people just listen to it and they, they, they like it and they just, they just kind of digest it like anything else, like another source of news. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's such a cool thing about this that you're, you're, it's, it's such a, one of the reasons why I wanted to start this was because I was realizing the networking possibilities right you get to expose yourself to so many different mm -hmm. things and to so many different people you you have a guest on and then you have some of their followers mm -hmm. who are who start to tune in and then they start to follow you and then just so much potential for new relationships that there's something about creating that sometimes you just have to start because it 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 leads you into the next step right the launching creates its own opportunity and its own pathway of possibility yeah. that's one of the things that i'm really really enjoying about yeah. all this and it can it makes you closer to people you already knew right like we're having a conversation i've known you for you know almost 20 years but i'm learning things about you that i, I did not know before yeah. right so that's another cool aspect i mean white kids started bands in the 90s to hang out with your Pretty friends and in, in the garage yeah. and and now you have the podcast and people will listen yeah. in and yeah one thing i've learned about you since i came back in um and listening to you on your pat podcast is your nickname Debot. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I'm like, oh, I'm like, who's Debot? And I'm like, oh, that's Donald yeah. Debot. And it total once once I realized it was you, it totally made sense. And one thing I feel you and I have in common is we're hyper connected. I feel like there's two classes of people right now: people who are just mildly aware of what's going on, and you know, they, they're still kind of plugged into the the mainstream. And then there's people who are just hyper overly connected yeah. and a, a lot of people it's 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 kind of chaotic yeah. right and uh but you like they call you dbot because just like a google bot that tracks the web you know everything <laughs> like if, they, if 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 you don't know it did it happen like that's kind of how it feels like if there's anything that's going on i even remember i was into like some latin trap was starting yeah. to like crossover i was a huge fan and i was like dude check this out and you're like oh yeah bro i love arcangel and he was on this and i was like dude like what don't you know <laughs> like how um so i feel like nowadays navigating this world of so many different access points and data points and yeah. and and just information delivery systems and so many different there's just so much out there how do you go about creating uh, a way to distinguish the noise, like distinguish the, sing the signal from the noise. How do you, what's your system? Um, 
Yeah, it's crazy, dude. It's I don't know what it is, but it, for me at least, like it's it's consuming information. I don't know why I'm so naturally. Uh, I think this is. I think we. I know. I think I mentioned this when we were at Buffalo Wild Wings too. Was just like because you're a marketer, man. Like you're a digital marketer. You 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 know the space of like advertisement and and how to get people to kind of like you know you you know how to cater to what they would need or need to you know buy or sell or whatnot. And I think for me, I, I, I get fascinated by that too. I, I get intrigued by social engineering, you know, how people are wired and why they do what they do in terms of like, just like, you know, how things are connected and whatnot. And and it could be anything. It's yep. kind of weird, but that's just how I am. Like, I'm the type of person that probably would watch a movie on Netflix and then I'm Googling certain parts of the movie that I didn't think I make sense to me, or if there's like a product thing that they're selling, some product placement, I want to know like, oh, what is that product? And I just do like a quick Google search, yeah. and it's just kind of one of those things where like, um, I don't know, I just consume a lot of that. But uh, it, definitely, um, I don't know what it is, dude. I, I just, I just, I just like, I like knowing things. You know, I like to know yeah. more. I like to know and grow more. And I think it all stems from like when I was. Uh, out of out of, in college at PCC, I actually like one of my first gigs before Starbucks was actually uh, network marketing. I was a direct seller for a vitamin company, and the thing is, is that like in those environments, you learn about sales, you learn about talking to people, and then you learn like you had you, they trained you on like how to know what a person like what would their hot buttons be to get them to get this product or to recruit them, either or. Yeah, you learn a so lot. So you learn about all that stuff and, and 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 you learn, you know, what 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 gets things going, what what ticks, what connects people and all that. And I think what ends up happening is like it it just makes your brain feel like, you know, what else is there that you can learn that can do the same thing um and how things are done. Um so like your example like when you said the Latin trap stuff, it's like, yeah, like I still remember um 2004 i think 2005 when uh daddy yankee comes out with gasolina and i didn't know that song until my sister-in-law played it and that was because um that was because uh she's from ecuador and apparently like in south america like that sound that reggaeton sound was already taken off and um she plays this the CD in her car and it has that song Gasolina and it has a whole bunch of other songs from like Don Omar, Ivy Queen, Tego Calderon, all the OGs yep. from that era. And then like, yep. you know, I'm like, this music's pretty dope. I like it. You know, like it's dance. It's, it's, it's obviously it's really raunchy and everything, but it was like really fresh. <laughs> you know what I mean? It felt fresh. And at the same time, yep. Those people were actual rappers, you know what I mean? They were MCs, you know? Well, when we discuss reggaeton or Latin Latin rap, Latin trap, I'm like, this is not a subgenre. This is not like the Latins wanted to have rap. No. Per- the birthplace of Latin hip-hop is Puerto Ricans who lived in New York. So Latin rap, Latin hip-hop, reggaeton is birthed from the same place, the same area as yeah. hip-hop. So it evolved. It they just happen to be, you know, speak Spanish. And because Puerto Ricans have, you know, access to New York because they're, you know, their mm-hmm. status, they, you know, there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of exchange. Mm-hmm. And that genre evolved parallel from the same source. So that's something that's fascinating about that. And they really are. I mean, look at, let's fast forward to now, like Bad Bunny's like the biggest Yeah, ticket. man. 
it's crazy and then now you got this whole new generation coming up and i feel like for a while like that that sound kind of fell off like after that daddy yankee era it kind of got dug down and then i think bachata took over and then bachata became a thing romeo santos and them and then like um was the other style that came out like uh, there was another one before reggaeton basically resurfaced again and then that's when like the j balvin bad bunny um you know yeah. anuel and and now carol g Carol she's like the female she's yep. like the new ev queen now so it's just like you yep. know calle 13 yeah was a big and then yeah and then you had your calle 13, calle 13, you had the, your underground guys that had like a bit of a that had a following as well and then like you know and then now it doesn't even have to be you have to be a rapper you could just be like a singer and you just sing over the the song and it's a little different but it still yeah. hits you know what i mean it's still it's still music that latino people make so you know and now that sound is basically the mainstream latin sound if you think about it because um if paulina rubio wanted to make music now if enrique iglesias wanted to make music right now they have to hit with that sound of all that that has yeah. to be the beats that they have to that they have to sing over it's highly influential. It's just driving the culture yeah, here. Exactly. Right now. So like to your point about like how do I sift the noise? It's just basically like things like that. Like I, I end up going and digging. I think in. being uh, a minority and having you know, having relatives all over the world kind of also gave you access to all these things yeah. going out going on outside of our yeah. our little Exactly, area here. dude. And um yeah, so I'm always just I'm always just like not that I want to know, it's just something that's natural to me, man. Like I can't I don't know. I just I just like knowing what's going on. And then obviously working in a news station, like I don't really have to worry about what's happening in the news because I'm just around it anyways. Mm-hmm. So then I, it gives me time to like look up other stuff that I want to learn and, and, and grow from. And it's crazy because YouTube now has everything like you could just search anything on YouTube. Like um, like I remember you were asking me about my um, about my interface, the Evo. And I said, yeah, it's really great. And I sh- gave you like a little spiel about it. And then I showed you YouTube videos that show you the stuff that it does, you know, um, and it's crazy. So, yeah. It's it, it's such a cool, it's such a cool tool. Yeah. The internet, right? Um, it just takes a, a a while to know how to navigate it, mm-hmm. and especially when you're dealing with things such like news. Um, I mean, instructional videos. It's very straightforward. Like how to make wine. You Google how to yeah. make wine, right? And you research the you know the grapes you have or you know whatever. But when it comes to navigating like the social the social narrative, the, you know, society in general, that's a different world. And working at NPR and, and, and doing what you do, how do you navigate that? Like, how do you, do you have to be constantly filtering what's coming to you? Um, how do you verify, you know, the information, especially during COVID era, man, it was, it was, there was so much, we, I feel like we still don't know much about COVID other than there's a vaccine. Yeah. But how, how did you sift? through all that during that time um obviously like uh, i mean i've kind of learned to trust npr as a source um for me so i've definitely um i've I've been okay with like knowing what we need to know in terms of like uh the cdc guidelines and all that um and i think for the most part just kind of i don't know just kind of like sticking to what i know in terms of like my own sources that i like to read you know um and and not get Twitter lists, yeah. stuff like that. Do you have yeah. like specific yeah, Twitter, Twitter lists, lists that you? Um, I'll have like my 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 go tos of places that have like the updates and whatnot. Um, yeah, and then even like with the pandemic, yeah, it was always tough because 
you know, uh, they would say all these things and you and you kind of just have to take it for their word. If they say, wash your hands, you wash your hands, even though, it, you know, over time you feel like this is a little is a little weird, you know, like, why am I really caring about my, my hands, hands being washed? <laughs> but I don't know. I think yeah. my thing is just personally not taking anything too seriously in terms of just like, hey, man, if they say wear a mask, just wear a mask. Like if it really bothers you, then I don't know. I think that's there's that means there's deeper issues in you than than the mask because it shouldn't be hard to put a mask on. Like it's just it is what it is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, people do things as parents for their kids that they don't 100 percent would love to do, but they do it because they love their kids. You know what I mean? So it's not so much about you. It's about them and, and, and making sure that they're good or whatever. And I think that's just that's just how I am. And I just try to stay away from like people's business. I try to create any sort of conflict. I just try to do that. Yeah. You, this is you, this is how you're going to handle it. Yeah. And yeah. Ex- yeah. So I feel like you find a way to, you found a way to kind of streamline, you have everything streamlined. You have your data sources here and then like, it's very mm-hmm. flexible and dynamic, right? You have different, like, I mean, ranging from sports to something as serious as CDC guidelines, right? You, you first things, don't take it too seriously, yeah. but at the same time, it's um, understand that there's a role you play in yeah. all of this, right? And you live in a in a in a society that's a group of people, and so mm-hmm. yeah, don't take anything at face value. But at the same yeah. time, you're you're operating with exactly. Courtesy. And I mean, also going back to what you were telling me about, like um, you know, how do I intake a lot of information? Another thing too is that when I was in college, I was majoring in business administration. I wanted to be a business owner. So everything about business, just like I love, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. uh, marketing, sales, um, everything. Um, so what happens is that like I get really into companies. I get really into brands. I get really into how things are done. Like like when someone starts something like, oh, like what do they do? Like 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 all the questions you asked me are yeah. the questions I'd probably be asking somebody you know, in terms of like, yeah. if I had like, I don't know, I don't know why I'm thinking of Richard Branson right now, but I'm thinking because he went to space like a couple of days ago, but yeah, I'd dude. be asking Richard Branson <laughs> yeah. these kind of questions. I'll be like, so how do you like, you know, um, you know, like, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And how do you, how do you? there's a curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. So I think me liking business um, and everything being a business. And even now, I'm sure you see it on Instagram. Who doesn't have a side hustle, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like everybody has a side hustle. Entrepreneurship's becoming more and more normal now. And that wasn't the case when I was doing direct selling. I was like, it lo- I look like an outlier doing it. You know, it was like, you're you're going to be broke because yeah. nobody's going to buy your stuff. And that's just how it was. And and um, it was a little tougher. I think now you could kind of get into it and people are like, oh, that's cool. Good, good luck with it all. Like people are more accepting of it and whatnot. Um, and I think that that's one of those things that like, I think going back to my love for business, um, I just like I like I like looking up companies. I don't know. It just it just, I get fascinated by stuff like that. I get fascinated by a lot of things, and and I end up doing a lot of digging into it on Google and and looking up stuff. and And I think that's why. I mean, let's not. You, you just bought your first NFT today, um, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. So I showed you. So I was given some. Yeah, that's another thing you're. Yeah. You're so into. I bought some. I bought some baseball NFTs. I got some Dodger ones. I got the uh, Clayton Kershaw World Series one and a and a Walker Buehler World Series one. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then I got some Street Fighter ones because they were also having some Street Fighter ones. So I got those two. <laughs> um, and yes. And the, did you you need to you needed to buy Ethereum? 
with yeah. The so oh yeah, so I got it on the Wax blockchain. So yeah, the way it works is like I bought the okay. Ethereum on Coinbase because I already have a Coinbase account. I buy what I want to buy on, eth- on Ethereum on Coinbase, and then I uh, go through this other website called Change Now that does like an exchange, and I needed to change it into the Wax. Um, and then uh, from there, I would um, have it put like you know how much I want to convert into Wax. There's like a minimum. I forgot what the minimum was. So I put like an amount that I felt safe with because I realized like, I, you know, you learn about gas fees, which are basically the fees to make the transactions happen. But you yeah. pay that because there's people that have to operate this stuff, you know. So it's just kind of the way yep. things is. This is the way it works. Yeah. So then I would have a, 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 I would have the change now exchange it from Ethereum to the wax, which is the coin that you're going to use to buy these cards in the wax blockchain. And then, yeah, so I was able to buy a couple cards off of that. And then uh, probably hold on to them, see what happens with the markets. If it goes up, then maybe I'll sell them, make some money back. If not, then uh, I'll hold on to them regardless. Either way, I think I bought something that I love anyway. So it's not like it's not like something I'd be like, oh, I hate that I'm carrying this. You know, it's it. So as far as functionality goes, how how do you get to show off your NFT? Because that's a big part of collectibles, right? Being able to display them. Yeah. So I have it on my wallet. Um I'm trying to still figure that out in terms of like how you showcase it to somebody that you have it. I know I showed you via a, a screen. Yeah, how are we going to flex? Like, how are you going to flex at the club? Yeah. Like, like, oh, oh, guys, check out my phone. Like, I, I got a, the hottest Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's the one thing that I still need to figure out how I'm going to do that. Because I guess right now the wax... Bl- I feel like the, the whole space, the whole NFT space. Yeah, sorry yeah. to interrupt. I feel like the whole NFT space is trying to figure out, all right, there's potential here, but how are we going to flex this? Because that's that's the power of collectibles. Yeah, exactly. Really. And I think for the most part, maybe Wax, the company that does it, is they're they're still figuring that out. I know there is like another NFT app, like I think it's called Vive, V E V E, and they actually do like DC comic ones, right? But they're an app, so you could like literally buy it and pull up the app and show it off. This one, you have to go to like the Chrome website or whatever browser you use, and then pull it up. So it's a little bit more like, you know, it's a little bit more not the not the cleanest way of doing it. So, yeah, I kind of, yeah. I need to figure out how you can show this stuff off because, yeah, I definitely want to feel like I have like a cool like little app or something where they like the layout looks so cool when people see it. Um, Because uh, right now it just looks like it's on like on a web page. Like it's just, like it just looks like photos on a yeah. web page that you bought, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm curious how it's going to evolve into a more physical display. I don't know if there's going to be some kind of case or some mechanism that allows you to display your collection of, you know, your your wax holdings and all the things you you have yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm still figuring that out too. So, um I I'm hoping I could find out. Maybe I'll ask the community cuz I did join the Wax Discord group now. So, I'll I'll ask them it be like, dude, that's another that's another thing you how many uh let, let me let me check my Discord. How many communities are you a part I of? I want to say maybe like Ooh, let me check right now. Let's see who who's more of a dopamine yeah. junkie, you or me. <laughs> I got eight. Eight? Oh, I think I, I think I have you beat. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Oh 13. wow, <laughs> thirteen. I'm a yeah. Like I mean, there's like two musicians that I follow that have their own Discord. Oh, okay, community. that's cool. Um, that 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 is that in itself is another thing that's just a fascinating part of what's available today, right? There's this um, classical, neoclassical musician I follow, Olafur Arnold's mm-hmm. um, 
pretty well known in the neoclassical community. He announced that he had a Discord group, and man, I've I've made friends. There's like songwriting competitions that they have, like songwriting challenges for like you know neoclassical or, or anything really, and and yeah, it's. Discord is a big source of information for me. Yeah, uh, the corner of the galaxy. Yeah. That's when you yeah, invited yeah. me to. Um, a guy in there was offering a free jersey. He had a he had like a a, a big jersey he didn't use anymore. And I'm like, dude, that's a that's exactly my size. That's <laughs> it's a, a and it was an Abrahamovich oh, nice. jersey. So the dude wouldn't let me send him any money. He asked for my address and. Three days Dang. later, I was here, and um, it just it's just such a cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that's the cool part of the internet that I love. I know that we always hear about the terrible stuff on the news, um, but there's such a beautiful thing uh-huh. about it that I think just doesn't get it gets underreported, you know. Um, and it is yeah. what it is, I guess. It's just that's just the way the world works. That's the way the media wants to drive it. So, yeah, it, it's crazy. But that's so dope, dude, man. I didn't even know that that even happened, bro. That that's. I've seen people try to give tickets away too, and I'm always like, "Oh man, I totally would love to take your tickets, but I'm gonna be busy yeah, that day, so that, yeah. I wouldn't you know just be easier mm-hmm. for me to watch it from home or whatever." So, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's a cool cool world. It's community building. I feel like we're we're evol- evolving away from like the open social media style, um, like Facebook, and people are kind of forming their own communities because there's a there's a thing about. Even places like Facebook, you'll you'll post a video and you'll post something for yourself and your friend groups, and and then somebody else shares it to an entirely different group of people. That's a, a totally different audience, and now you're you're seeing comments from people that you don't even know who might be talking crap about you and say, you know even Instagram like a, a post can get a lot of views and you have all kinds of people you can you can respond to a comment on Instagram on a fan page and you have a whole new argument of strangers just arguing and calling you a moron and, you know, calling, saying all kind of unspeakable things. Um, that's so I, I feel like that has kind of naturally led to closed communities of strangers who share specific values. I haven't seen like people argue violently on there or, or, trolling there's no trolling you're a part of this discussion so there's this type of a accountability that is innate of these closed community platforms you know like like you said it's all tribal now you know what i mean and i think um there's something to be said about being able to join a tribe and be a part of it obviously as a human being like because you get to explore that passion with other people and that's great um and I think at the same time, I think if anything, it, it should, I'm hoping it teaches people to be a little bit more tolerant towards each other, um, knowing that like people love the same things and whatnot. Like, uh, like, you know, like I'm in, an, I'm in one of the ones, one of the discords I'm in is an investment one for the like, people that buy stocks and stuff. And it's crazy. Like people are very supportive of each other with stock buying. And like, they'll do, some of them will do analysis for you. Like they'll just post the data and be like, yo, like yeah. this company looks like there's a pullback right now. You should definitely maybe look into that or, you know, or they'll say, oh, the CEO hasn't been able to hit uh, quarterly earnings. Like they do a lot of the due diligence for you. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy to see that. And you're like, wow, like this is cool. Like, but these are people who love to do that. And then you're just coming in as a newcomer, just trying to be like, yo, like I want to learn too, you know? And then you learn that way. And it's like indirectly, you know what I mean? Like, um, 
it's 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 crazy but you know you see that and then they're all super supportive no one ever knocks on anybody for whatever they're buying if anything people do feel bad like if you're the one that bought like a a, a stock of some company of some startup that like now you're down 50 percent on you know what i mean and you're negative 50 and they're like man oh that sucks like yeah like oh that's a bummer well you know and they'll try to encourage you by saying oh well you know keep buying the dip and, and average it out or you know like don't sell yet because if you do you make it real you make the loss real and um i think for the most part like everyone tries to figure out how to help each other out more than they are bickering you know yeah there's a lot there's a lot of crowdsourced intelligence and kindness that people can benefit from if they know where to look right and it just takes consistency it takes but i mean not everybody's personality is primed for this not everybody has that kind of innate and curiosity um not everybody has it but it requires a lot of curiosity right and as you mature as your as your brain matures you kind of become better at what you allow to come in are there any certain like filters you can you you engage to keep certain things out or is it just like by finding or do you just follow your passion and eventually like everything else just kind of fades into the background? Yeah, I think it's the latter for sure, where I just uh, follow my passion and then everything else drowns out. Um, I think for the most part, like I've learned as I got older that uh, you sh well, like for me, like I'm 35 now. So like I've learned that um, I think at my in my stage in life, I, I like what I like. Like I like what the music that I like to listen to. I'm very I'm very aware of how nostalgic the music taste that I have is. But yeah. at the same time, like, you know, I don't knock the new stuff. I don't do that because I just feel like that's not cool. Cause if it was me, I wouldn't want yeah. people hating me. But for the yeah. most part, like I think I like what I like. And even when it comes to like even being on Spotify, for example, like I don't really follow playlists. And I know that playlists are such a thing. Like I know that they're such like a driver. But I'm more the type that like my playlists are are all the playlists I made because I like the songs that I like in the, in the groups that I put them yeah. in. And I remember when Spotify first rolled out the playlist feature, I was like on it. I was like, okay, this is gonna be my gym list. This is gonna be my uh my hip hop my LA hip hop list where it's all the LA rap that I like. You know, I like trance music as well, so I started making like a list of full of trance songs that I like. Um, I had like an early reggaetons that brought me back to those daddy Yankee days and was like, I'm gonna do of yeah. all that stuff that I like in that time. And then even like my worship music, like the, the, I, and then the worship, I have it in two separate languages. I have my favorite Spanish worship stuff, like Jesus Adrian Romero and like, you know, uh, Marcos Witt and all that. And um, we're in such, we're like in the same little niches. Dude. Yeah. Like dude. We're in the same and little I, micro world. <laughs> And then, of course, my English stuff like Hillsong, you know, even yep. now I'm like a fan of Bethel and some of the stuff they put out is pretty cool. I like that. And I'll, I'll throw that Maverick in there. And, and, then, and that's how yeah. I do it. And like, I'll go to Spotify and those are my playlists. But I do get it that there's like this other world in Spotify where playlists are like these like revenue drivers type of thing. And then it matters to be on it. And I think like that's the one thing I'm probably going to be learning. I know you've already done that. Like you've been in that world. But that's the stuff that I want to learn. I want to put out an instrumental EP. Hopefully I get it done this year like because i have the songs ready i just gotta like kind of go in and fine tune it but um i'm gonna be going through that experience of, of of probably putting it out in a distributor going through the platforms like spotify apple music and then figuring out the whole playlist thing and how that affects yeah. the, the 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 exposure to the music so i'll be learning that for sure yeah by the way i i bought one of your beats for for this episode for the 
for the intro track. So you'll yeah, be, you'll thank be listening you so to much, that. man. Yeah, uh, and that's another thing too. I gotta do, man. I have too many beats, bro. I need to throw them all up on that store and just see yeah. what happens, man. Because you know, I'll go to these beat, the beat stores like Beat Stars, and I'll look at their homepage, and it's mostly the stuff that is the commercial stuff because that's that's what that's what rappers want to rap on. And I don't have a problem with that. That's great. I wish I could kind of do that kind of stuff because I think it's fun. But uh, my natural instinct is, like you said, like I like what I like and everything fades out. So <laughs> for yeah. as much as I, I can listen to a lot of the trap music, it, it's hard for me to naturally want to do it because I already like what I like. So I make music yeah. that I love and that's just what it is for me. Yeah, it's it's like our the things we love will lead us into other things that we love. We just kind of have to take the leap and... Yeah. Sometimes people want to know exactly what it's going to look like. What's the path towards where you're trying to go? But I think the the biggest lesson nowadays is just get out there and be consistent. And yeah. and eventually you're going to opportunities are going to open up that you would have never had thought of before mm -hmm. you started. Yeah. And kind of like have fun with it. You know what I mean? If you feel like you're not having fun with it, um obviously either stop because you're probably it's probably not what you want to be doing or yeah. uh figure out ways that you can pivot and make it fun again like spice it mm -hmm. up and whatnot that's what we did with the podcast like we were doing it once a week and we just crammed every la sports talk into one episode and it was jumping jumping we went from basketball to baseball to football to even some hockey coverage and then and then you know and then Now we do it where we space it out a little bit and we talk about maybe one episode will be all like basketball related. So that way it's all basketball fans. Another episode might be like uh, all like soccer related. So it's all soccer fans, but all within the scope of us three Latino kids from L.A. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that was a big part of it. So um, we're learning as we go. And then also the time, it, it makes it fun because there was a time where we were kind of admitting to each other like, man, like going on like you know, uh, like an hour and a half talking about this kind of can, can wear you down. You kind of feel tired towards the end because you are, yeah. you are having conversations. And then at yeah. the same time, like you're having conversations, but then you're breaking down games and stuff. And you want to come off like, you know what you're saying about the game and that you're talking about yeah. the right person. You, you got the right player's name and all that stuff. So those are the things that are running through your head while you're trying to do this thing. So um, obviously what we're doing have. right now, what you and I are doing right now, it's way more casual to me. I feel like I don't yeah. feel like we're even recording. I feel like we're just having a, a like we're just on a Zoom call, like just yeah. And just it's like, it's longer than your usual episodes that you do, but yeah. it's different. It's like a different, you know. My my episodes are probably going to be you know biweekly, mm -hmm. and it's 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 going to be a lot more laid back, a, a conversation, and essentially that's kind of. I mean, one of the I feel like there needs to be a little a string of selfishness behind it, and we should be okay with that. But at the end of the day, I. I work from home and, you know, I work for a company that's, you know, out of, out of state. So I work in an office by myself and you need to have people to talk with right right now. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a year into a, a big move back home, but you know, things are different. The, I mean, society in general is transitioning into kind of socializing a bit more, but there's still a lot of things that aren't fully back yet. Right. And remote work, even in, even in some form is, is here to stay. So people like me who kind of thrive on external feedback and interactions with people, we, we kind of need this kind of thing to, to talk about it. I mean, I've gotten so many insights just from this conversation yeah. and it comes down to the whole, at the end of the day, that's, that should be the main driver behind it. You know, you, yeah. you get a chance to reconnect 
And people who are interested in this kind of thing, who are thinking of starting something, are going to get in insight into it. Yeah. I mean, Gary Vee is always telling people, start a podcast. Just shut up and start a podcast. Yeah. I didn't even know you said that, dude. I mean, again, I was. I know you and I are like Gary Vee fans. I, I, I heard yeah. about him way back in like 2014. No, for... Uh, By the way, like to the it. listeners, you were guest number. You were on the first episode of Gary yeah. V's show. Oh right? yeah, ask Gary V. I'm on episode one and two. And yeah, you. Gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> look it up. Look up. I had look to, up Draga Beats on on Gary V episode one. Like there's ask Donald. Gary so that's v. how connected you are. <laughs> yeah. No, it was funny, and I heard of him from the Dave Ramsey podcast, the uh, Entree Leadership. Because again, I'm into in business, so like. Uh, he has a podcast called Entree Leadership, and uh, they had Gary V on. But this is back when they used to have him on when he was more of an investor. And then seeing his evolution from being like an angel investor to uh, an actual social media personality that goes out and basically pushes people to follow their dreams and whatnot, and and tries to help people kind of open their minds on all that. And 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 it was kind of crazy seeing the progression of it. And I think it's kind of funny because like. Um, I don't follow him as much as I used to, but it's mostly because I noticed that a lot of the stuff I've heard a lot from him already. So yep. I feel like I'm at a point where I kind of can 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 already guess what he's gonna say before he says it. But at the same time, like I think his 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 whole platform is so unique and it's crazy to see because it, it makes you believe how doable it is, man. It really yeah. is. And then yeah, so when he was telling people to open up their to everybody, like just doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you think you can do it or not. Start a podcast. As I've done it now, I, it's clicked. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. This yeah. is. It gives you a platform to network. It gives you a platform to kind of air out ideas, exchange yeah. ideas, exactly. And it gives you a a home to your own side pursuits, right? So I can. I'm thinking of having one of the episodes be just me discussing my on the anniversary of my Crown World release. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to give the entire backstory of it. And, you know, when I first released it, I had these ambitious plans of having this, how I did it and show people through the tracks and it, it gets hard, but I feel like there, it'll be really easy to just kind of in an audio format, not having the pressure of the vision, having to show the visuals, yeah. just sit and talk about the album. And, you know, cause it was very interesting. I did, I did it during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, it was literally the lockdown and where I was at started like March 15th. And yeah. by April 15, I had the album done. And and by by May, I had the album written. And by like by two months, it was it was off my hands and in the mixer's hands. Yeah. And looking back, I'm like, I mean, that's because there were no more no sports. Like my my whatever part of my brain does all the creating was just free. Like yeah, to right. Just create and so yeah, that's that's a tone podcast yeah, yeah. episode. So really, it gives a platform for your own. Yeah your own things that you have going on. So yeah. as we kind of start navigating towards the conclusion, um, we've talked a bit about how you sift through the noise. Um, what insights have you gotten as far as actually breaking through the noise as a creator, as a business person, as a, you know, podcast personality, whatever, as a musician, mm -hmm. that's a big one. I'm sure I have musicians following me. I have different types of people who, might be interested in starting something. Yeah. What can you speak about? I mean, creating is starting is one thing. How do you stay consistent even when you don't feel that breakthrough? And um, how do you get that breakthrough? Um, what What have you learned? Yeah. Um, 
I've learned personally that uh, it'll 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 feel routine, but at the same time, it depends on. Uh, I think for me, for the most part, and I think I remember Alex was telling me this that in a weird way, like the podcast is a form of therapy because <laughs> we're just conversing. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what it feels like. And I think that, um, I think that's why, like, when I make beats and stuff, it's, it's, I started, it started clicking to me recently that, like, it was a form of me escaping life in terms of, like, the reality of it, of having a day job and not really being, like, full time creative as much as I would love to be. Cause that's definitely what I would love to do is be a full time creative person. But, uh, you know, uh, you do these things and it helps you kind of get through it. And I think that, for the most part, networking is a big part of it. Like finding a tribe, uh, going, like you said, like we, everything we talked about, like a discord and whatnot. Like those are the little things that I've done for sure that have helped me case stay in. Like, you know, when I, even when I started doing like investment, started investing in stocks and stuff, like I found that discord group by chance and I joined it and I'm like, oh shoot, now I really want to keep doing this. You know what yeah. I mean? And I really, you realize that your 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 consistency, a lot of it is based off um, other people pushing you, even though they're not really intentionally pushing you. But it just you just feel like a responsibility to the world that you have to do your part in terms of giving out whatever you're trying to give out, whether it's a podcast conversation, whether it's an EP. You know that there's something that you're 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 meant to do in life. You're 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 meant to do something that that other people will consume. And we'll take from yeah. it and really um, be enjoyed by it and, and and learn from it and grow from it. And I think that that's, that's definitely a big part that that I think that I've learned for sure. And um, even when it comes to the podcast, I mean, when the game's good, like the Euro was really good. It was like, yo, we got to talk about this. Like, I want this. I want this conversation recorded because that's really what a podcast is. We're just recording a conversation and uh, you get used to it. And then it's like a bug. I mean, again, I'm not a professional runner, but I hear that once you, you, there's a thing called the runner's high that professional runners get where like they basically become addicted to running. And, you know, running is like a sport that, you know, some people find it boring. I like running, but there's some people out there like, yeah, it's a boring thing to do to just kind of like run around somewhere and go nowhere. You know, you're just going in a loop or whatever, but you talk to a professional runner, they're like, dude, this is a time of my life. But you know what I mean? It just depends on, on, there's a whole entire battle going on in the yeah. runner's head, and that's that's the game they get. Yeah, exactly. On. So that's that's just how I see it, and I think that uh, that's what I've learned for sure. Learn to have fun with it, and um, and just you know, and like kind of pace yourself and don't rush it is what I've learned too. Like like I, I, I like you said, like right now you know you're in a place where you're gonna do this biweekly, and you're 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 good with that, and that's great because you know that about yourself. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I think if we were to start podcasting in our 20s, we'd probably be like, you know, running around trying to figure out like, what guests can I get for like next week and the week after or this guest fell through, how do I feel it? Because I need to put this one out. But, you know, you yeah. learn as you grow to pace yourself and you're a little bit better. And I think uh, I think everything happened to me in the time that it should be happening anyway. So that's, that's how I feel about it. I mean, again, we both come from, you know, uh, faith-driven families and stuff. So we we both know that there's also that aspect of life and spirituality and knowing that like God's in control and that things will just happen in their time, in due time. And and you just got to do your part of just being there, being present and, and, and executing when you need to execute. So, Were there any particular aspects of your upbringing, both as a Hispanic 
in LA and, you know, being Christians that, that adds like another layer of outsider status, right? Yeah. Um, were you, did you find that you had any unique, unique obstacles that were the result of your upbringing and you're, I know you're from El Salvador, but you're also half Honduran, Honduran right? Yeah. My mom's from Honduras and my dad's from El Salvador. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, what's crazy is that like, I grew up my whole life in pirate school, like from kinder to high school graduation, um, from kinder to eighth grade, I went to a private Catholic school, um, Immaculate Conception. And, uh, in high school is where we met and I was, you know, Pacific Christian. And then we were there for, I was there for two years. And then I went to village Christian, graduated from there in 05. It's, it's a little interesting because all I've known is being in these Christian environments growing up in terms of like uh, at school and then going to church. Um, and then anything that was non-Christian or worldly, um, to use a term there, um, yeah. you know, it if was you just know, something you I, know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something you do, but it's something that you do for you and you don't tell anybody about it. You know, you don't tell, you know, family or anything, but I think that's why I, kind of became like kind of kind of like private in those regards you know like like when i was in middle school like i liked watching wrestling and stuff and and wwf wrestling back then and um yeah that was not something i would tell my family like crazy and be like hey i need to get wrestling or go to wrestling shows or anything because it's just like they were not gonna do it um same thing with music you know my dad was super cool he bought me cds and stuff but yeah i would listen to rap music and it was just something that i like to do for me and whatnot um, and I think that that's just kind of what it was, but, uh, for the most part, like, yeah, you grow up in these environments and, and I, I, I can't say I know what it's like to be like, I only know it from me in the Christian culture, like the Spanish Christian culture, you know, um, growing up in a Pentecostal environment. Um, that's yeah. all I know with me, but like, as far as like the culture in general versus the world, um, I can't. I can't say I know like if there were any sort of obstacles I think as I got older and I became an adult I became who I am obviously um my my faith is very private to me but it's because it's a personal thing and I think that's how I kind of perceive it as well or it's a more personal thing it's just trying to think and then at the same time I try not to come off too cliche-ish when it comes to the Christian stuff either because I know it can be it can feel very cliche-ish after a while but uh yeah, it, and it's crazy because I've seen on Instagram some Christian comedians that basically their whole content is just kind of clowning on the typical Christian culture stuff. And yeah, I think it's upbringing. super funny, but then after a while, it's kind of like, well, it, it's kind of sad too because it's like these these there's people who really think that that's, that's what they feel, you know what I mean? And you're kind of clowning yeah. on how they feel, but I've learned to just keep it to me and to myself and my relationship with God is my relationship with God. And yeah, and I, I can't say I felt any sort of obstacles. And I think it's because of that because I've always kept it private and it's always been something personal and I've never put it out there like that. Um, though I have, you know, I do have family members who put it out there and stuff and, and, and they don't want to be around circles if it's not something that they like or approve. And that's just who they are. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, but, it, but I think it, it was different for us when we grew up here for our parents, it's different, but for us, we kind of had to learn to navigate so many different social scenes uh, there were so many different groups and, yeah. you know, the, the, the kind of schools we went to had so many different um, ethnic groups and social groups. And you almost had to learn. To, I feel like that kind of made us the type of person that absorbs so much from different subcultures. Yeah. 
when you are a Christian and a Hispanic, there's an entire layer of subcultures and subgroups that you kind of had to learn to navigate. And I think that's what allowed us to become so good at kind of reading things. Mm -hmm. But that also made us a bit, yeah, kind of private about these things. The reason why I asked you if there were any obstacles was I did feel like a lot of these endeavors, you had to go at them alone. There isn't that of where they push your your passions or yeah. your dreams, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, when it I'm, came I'm to thankful music. that I wasn't held back too much, but there was still this having a dad that escaped, parents that escaped the war, like the outside world was a threat. So there was a, a little bit of a sheltered aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our brand of the brand of Christianity, it's the whole, you know, we're here in Hollywood, it's the devil, we live in LA, but we're not, we're not of LA and everything's like so scary. Yeah. Um, so to me, it was a bit of a, when I went to my first rock show, when I went to my first concert, it was, it was a bit of like, I was on edge the whole time. Like, I'm like, something bad's going to happen. Cause my parents used to tell me that whenever a kid did something they you know, I I mean, I don't know how it was with you, but it was like, do you want Christ to come? And you're at some secular rock show and Christ comes. Yeah. That's all it is, dude. Yeah. And it's like a weird fear that they instill in you that it doesn't feel natural, man. And then. And it sucks because the only time you kind of break out of it is you when you become an adult and then you realize mm-hmm. you got to make your choices for yourself and whatnot. Um, but yeah, man, I remember that, dude. I remember even like, you know, even things like sports. It's like, oh, like, it's cool if you want to watch the Dodgers, just don't idolize any of these players. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I'm not even trying to idolize. I'm like, why would you jump to those conclusions? And that's the cut. Kind of- and that's the kind of thing that now it's like I get a little weirded out. And then it's true, dude, because, yeah, like I chose to want to start making music and stuff. But even that I couldn't really be all out there. And but, yeah, it sucks because sometimes like you'll see friends who are like, oh, yeah, like um, uh, I'm making music. And then you could see the parents are very like cool about it and they're very supportive. They're like, oh, do you need anything like like, oh, don't worry, we'll go to Guitar Center and buy you that thing, you know? Instead, like, for me, it's a little more like, well, let me go to Guitar Center and uh, and just, like, you know, buy this stuff and whatnot, and then I'll, I'll explain it to, like, my mom later or whatever, like, what this all yeah. means or whatever. Or hopefully she just won't ask. She'll just be like, oh, he's going through, like, a phase or whatever. But um, it's just, that's just what it is, man. And it, it's, it sucks, and, and, and it was like that too, man. And even, yeah, like you said, like, going to shows and stuff, I, I knew that too. I knew that feeling too of it of it being like, oh, shoot, like, we're not supposed to be doing these kind of things. Yeah. Like, you know, um, and I don't know. I just think, like, obviously, you know it, too, uh, as a parent. Like, it's kind of like a weird kind of somewhat trauma, even though you probably might not want to admit it is, but it kind of might be. And it's like, yeah, you know, but and but then at the same time, it feels like such a petty thing. You know what I mean? Like, why were they really tripping, you know? But they were <laughs> yeah and it's a, a lot of it too is just because like the church hierarchy is the way it is like that there's other people above them that control all this stuff and they're just like they like keeping people underneath them and it's like a whole yeah. thing and it gets very political at that point and then that's where i'm like you know what i'm out like let me just take my bible and i will read it and i will interpret it how i feel is good for me and i'm good and i and i know what i need to do you know so yeah yeah like there's a lot of man-made artificial boundaries that get put in yeah and the entire the entirety of people's faith can be driven by fear yeah by by like fear becomes the basis of everything like yeah. don't do this don't do that yeah don't become this don't become that yeah and i remember even my dad admits it and thankfully he laughs about it now but he used to say i'd rather my kids be 
broke and and still follow the Lord, then be doctors or be professionals and don't. And I'm like, and now my even they understand. They're like, why did it have to be one or the other? Why can't they be? Why can't they be doctors who still, you know, yeah. are after yeah. after spiritual things? Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. So, but it was a different time. I understand that it was a different time. Mm-hmm. I understand that they come from a different place. Mm-hmm. What you know, we we recognize that what they did was absolutely incredible. So as we grow up, we can kind of integrate that into mm-hmm. who we are. And if anything, it became a strength because, yeah. like, look at us now. Like, yeah. there's just we're just so immersed by these things, and we seem very. It, we're not overly addicted to to these things. We can kind they have their proper place in our life. Yeah, they I do. Feel. They do exactly. That's like the best way to put it for sure. Like this, if anything, it helps balance it out um, because there has to be a healthy balance to stuff in life in everything. Like you can't have too much of the same thing. It's it's like they say too much of anything is bad, and I think that's that's true. Like sometimes you can be a little overwhelmed and stuff. And like you said, obviously. They grew up in a very legalistic time, and legalism was a thing. And uh, and then it some of those dangers were real, yeah. right? Like they, it really was yeah. dangerous. And then it, and then I think it was, and then there was this turning point where like uh, having grace was cool, and you had grace, and everything was grace and grace and grace. And then I don't know where it's at now. I kind of stopped following the trend because um, I've just realized I gotta just make choices for myself, and I love Jesus still, and He's still my Lord and Savior. But at the same time, like, I can't follow church culture trends too deep like that because then it messes with you. So, like, I don't know where they're at now. But I heard that last time I heard that, like, apparently too much grace, you know, also can get you in trouble because now you think you could do anything and not face consequences <laughs> and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it's 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 its own little world. And I feel like those comedians like the John Christ's like that were into those worlds. I, I was telling a friend, I think it's I feel like it's uh, what's that called? It's. It's Stockholm syndrome yeah. humor. Like it's like gallows humor. Like when you look back at a lot of these things, it's like, man, that was kind of messed up. Yeah. And you just do the best you can and, yeah. and just move on and realize that they meant. I think the best thing is recognizing some certain things were were not correct. Yeah. And then recognizing that they were humans, right? Like that's that that's a big step in personal development when you realize when you see not just your parents, but and the 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 authority figure above you as they were just humans too. Yeah, that's true. And you know now we're we're millennials coming into. I mean, feels weird to say, but we're like coming into the age where we're slowly running things. We're becoming more confident with ourselves. That's and true. It took it took us long enough as millennials. Yeah, jeez, like it's. I mean, we're still we still don't have what our parents did at our age. Right. No, but I feel like we're starting to get more of a grasp of, okay, like we are kind of the experienced ones on the block. Now mm-hmm. we're the, we're the ones that kind of understand the new world and the old world. And mm-hmm. we can navigate this a little bit better and, and hopefully put future generations in a better place. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all you can that's ask all for. We can ask for. That's true, man. So yeah, man, I, it's, Really inspiring all the things, all the things you're into. I mean, there's a lot, there's so much overlap. That's why I'm like, no, like this, this dude needs to be this one of my first uh, <laughs> podcast guests and yeah. uh, we needed to make this happen. But yeah, man, the consi- I admire the consistency. That's the, probably the biggest thing I admire, the consistency, the way you just 
find a procedure, you make it happen. You're the you're the tech guy for your podcast, right? And yeah, Alex I mean, and it's... I will mix it. It depends on who's available, really. Oh, you guys switch around, right? Yeah, yeah, because that's the thing. Like yeah. that's the cool part about all of us being like engineers is that like uh, we all have the tools. Like we all have like. I think Alex uses Pro Tools to mix the pod, so he'll use that. And, yeah. you know, overall, like, it sounds the same, and um, you can't complain. Like, it helps. It just, I think that's definitely an edge that we have, is that we have that 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 um, that engineer background, audio engineering background, which not everybody has, unfortunately. Like, there's, there's a lot of new pods coming out, and I'm noticing that, like, it's the host talking, and then they don't really know how they're supposed to mix it afterwards, so sometimes it just sounds as is. Yeah. And then it's just kind of like, man, it's kind of a bummer because if I had touched it, I would have made it sound a lot cleaner. You would have felt a little bit more better about it. But, yeah. you know. Um, a basic gate, a sound gate, a yeah. compressor, like little things Little like things, that, that yeah, that make a difference. But, again, that's where you would need an engineer to do that for you. And, and, and I know that, obviously, not everybody has it in their budget to get one. But um, I think that's where we, we feel very fortunate that we have that background. So we don't have to look for nobody to do it. We just do it ourselves. But. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. That helps for sure. Yeah, I really do take. We really do take that for granted. Like we understand the principles of audio, and it, it was just second nature. I mean, editing, editing, and uniting the waveforms. That's. I mean, we look at a waveform and we understand exactly what it is. What it is, right? To yeah. A newcomer, it might seem overwhelming. Like what? What? What is this? Like looks like. Yeah. Looks like a cardiogram. Like yeah. what, what's going on <laughs> here? But that's that's an advantage that we have. But at the same time. Um, you know, it's good to tell people, don't let that stop you. Don't, don't put unnecessary obstacles, right? Yeah. I mean, I would have loved to like r- right off the bat record my episodes and have a, make them all video podcasts. But I realized, you know what? Just don't, don't even worry about it. I can improve like my, my intro from episode one to episode two can be totally different. Mm-hmm. My intro music, yeah. I can polish there's so much we can polish as we go yeah the importance i think is to start but consistency that's i feel like that's what you've nailed down already yeah for sure man how long have you been making beats for oh man i started right out of high school uh 2005 so it's probably been what like 15 years now 15 years um yeah so yeah it's it's that's when i first started to make beats and then i really got good in 2010 uh, when I met Tall Black Guy and basically he mentored me and showed me the way, uh, basically showed me just the basics of like what we're supposed to do with like the, you know, metronome and all that and, and, and yeah. how to mix your kicks and how to mix your snares and, you know, how to get like how to chop samples like in a way that he did it, which was a pretty unique uh, technique that he showed me and I still use it till this day. And then, um, yeah, and then that's that's when I started learning on my own from that point on. I just kind of kept growing, making beats and. You know, making beats is just you making beats and you just keep doing it and do it and do it. And the more you make, the better you get. And then you start getting faster. You start getting sharper. You start experimenting a lot more because you got all the basics down. So now you're more like thinking about other stuff that you do that you want to learn, want to challenge yourself with. So, yeah, that's that's kind of like how it's been for me. And at this point, I could just make beats like on spare time and it it doesn't make me feel anything weird or anything. Whereas before it was like a moment where it's like, oh no, I'm blocking time out to make beats and stuff. Now it's like, oh, let me jump on and try throw something on together. I like that. Let me save it. Um, you know, I got to do this thing real quick. If I, if I knock out some errands, I'll come back. If I have time, I'll keep working on it and see if there's something else that, that it's inspiring me and whatnot. And yeah, that's how I take it. Well, that's awesome, man. That's, it really is inspiring. And I think one of the other things that you have 
because you understand what it takes to create and the consistency, you're also very supportive of other people's creative endeavors. And you've always been, you know, highly supportive of my stuff, even back from the Candela stuff. Oh, yeah. As a, yeah, yeah. Like you've, you're always sharing, you're always like, you're always uh, championing people, right? And I feel like yeah. that's that's a, a, another great quality that you have. Yeah. No, I mean, I always like to inspire people in the creative space for sure. Um, just because I feel like, you know, it's it's never easy. And the thing is, maybe it's because of my experience of not being able to like tell my family and, and be that open about it. That like, I feel like I want other people to feel like whatever they want to do like i want to at least encourage them as best as i can you know what i mean yeah. um and and really try to at least make them feel like comfortable about executing whatever they want to execute whether it's it's like music or whether it's like writing or whatever creative thing that they want to do that they want to get going obviously people have something that they want to say and that's just that's just me like it's it's hard for me i think that's the only thing that's kind of tough for me i've never been a tough critic so um Sometimes, like, I don't know, like, if something, like, if you were to send me a bad song, like, I wouldn't know how to tell you that it's a bad song. I'd just be like, yeah. huh, that's, that's, that's unique, man. I, I really think you got something there or something. Like, that's I would, new. yeah. Cause I, I would have a hard time being like, yeah, this isn't good, man. You need to, like, read Cause you know it. how hard it is to put it out there. Yeah. And to put yourself out there. So you kind of, it's not that you're not seeing that it's bad. It's, you're just like, well, let's just, let's congratulate what's good yeah. let's focus on what's good and then That's at the same what... time i always think of it as like well like even if it isn't the greatest thing this is like you're gonna get better if you keep doing it so yeah. at the same time i'm more about like just keep doing it like you know if this is what you're gonna put out as a as your project or whatever then put it out you know what i mean uh don't overthink it is my thing don't overthink it just put it out and then the next time you you do another project you're gonna put that one out and i'm pretty sure that one's gonna sound better than one you put before because you should just naturally be getting better as as things go by and as time goes along and as the more you do it so yeah yeah absolutely so what's next for you what's uh so what's next with the podcast what's next what's um where where are you trying to head where are you trying to go yeah so with the podcast we were talking about how we want to maybe start incorporating more guests on and do more interviews because that's the one thing we haven't really tackled is interviewing mm -hmm. um it's we're we're good about jumping on and talking about the stuff we talk about like oh so let's talk about the dodgers and mariners series let's talk about you know this uh lakers versus boston they're coming in town you know things like that but like um we were talking about maybe we start we should start booking people to interview and come on and just kind of talk about like you know what stuff that they love about sports and whatnot and what stuff that they love about la or la sports or the la life in general uh, obviously, for me, I've been dancing around this idea of wanting to start another podcast for myself uh, as a creative person, um, to, you know, kind of gear it towards more like my music production side of things. Um, and that one, I probably would want to do it under my Dragger Beats moniker because um, I want to bring on like people like you and, you know, all my other friends that do music or that do and it's funny because now i have other friends that like do comedy writing and whatnot so just bringing them on yeah. and talking about like what what it's like to be a creative person in whatever medium you're doing and and how do you navigate that plus your life yeah um yep you know and uh and and and, and i wanted to get something like that going but of course you know how it is with the quality thing but i'm kind of starting to think maybe i'll just start sacrificing that and just doing the zoom records and then figuring out the fact after just yeah. if it meant getting more people on and but I think yep. if I did that, I'd probably want to do it like seasonal, like maybe uh, like maybe six or ten 
seasons and and like, then take a break and then and then get another 10 and yeah. then like i know djs too in la and stuff and i think a lot of djs might have a lot of uh stories to tell um you know so things like that uh that that's something that i definitely have in the back burner that i've been thinking of uh for sure coming up with the feed for it obviously um there's another f- podcast feed that i'm almost thinking about starting just like as a random feed where I would want to get anybody that is down to do a show of whatever they want to do, they could throw it on that feed and it'll be just like a random potluck of like, you know, this is so-and-so show today or whatever, or maybe like... Oh, so 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 they don't have to commit to a whole podcast Yeah, especially because... Yeah, especially, yeah exactly, exactly. Because I know there's some people that want to try what it's like, but don't want to go through the whole process of like, oh shoot, I got to get like a, a, I got to get the name down and I got to like Set register and it yeah. and I got to send the RSS feeds to all the different platforms or, and I got to create an email for it because, you know, um, and instead this will be like a kind of like a, like a random pop-up shop type of, type of feed. Dude, that's cool. So that's what I want to do. That's like a medium within a medium. Yeah. Like. That's, that's another idea I have because I know there's some people out there I have friends who want to do like a finance thing and all that. And I have other friends that do comedy and have conversations and, um, and maybe some of my music buddies, I'd be like, do you want to do something where you just record yourself talking about something that you think is interesting that people should know and do it and then like send it to me and then I'll throw it up on that feed. Would you still be like a host for it? I don't know like, if I would be a like host. I think I would just it? kind of introduce, I would just throw it up. I would, I would probably just tell like, yeah, just, you know, come up, like pick a song that you want to have as your intro and then you do it. And, Obviously, if they if they like doing it, if they like what they hear, then I would be like, well, there you go. Now, now do more episodes and maybe eventually you get your own feed and whatnot. Yeah. Um, just kind of being able to see if I could be a bridge to people that are still hesitant about starting a pod, you know. And if they get big, they got to pay you royalties. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, thinking, I'm just thinking, thinking marketing. I bro. know you are, man. <laughs> Business. It's funny. I love that, man. I love it. And um, yeah, so things like that. I, I, I tab, tab, you know, stance around ideas like that. Um, obviously I do want to put out this instrumental thing. I got the songs ready. I still want to go back to my Ableton sessions and see what else I can improve on. Cause some of these songs, I did them in overnight shifts, like graveyard shifts, like last year. Yeah. So, um, they're good. I like how they sound, but I always think like, man, what else can I add to it and stuff? But I definitely got to take the time to like open up those sessions again and go through them and figure out, okay, what do I like? If there's something I don't like, I could take out and whatnot. And then, um, and then, and obviously, I would have to just grab an engineer to help me mix and master it before, you know, publishing it. So, yeah. Dude, well, that's awesome, man. Uh, where can people find you? Um, I'm on Twitter uh, at Dragabeats, D R A G G A B E A B E A T S, Dragabeats, twitter.com slash Dragabeats. Um, I'm on Instagram as well, instagram.com slash Dragabeats. Um, uh, if you're into Facebook, I don't really, I have a page, but I don't really like not on it as <laughs> oh, much. Oh yeah, I forgot you. I forgot yeah, you Yeah, but it's all Dragabeats. Um, SoundCloud.com slash Dragabeats if you want to listen to my music there. I'll be posting more stuff. I realize I should really take advantage of the SoundCloud stuff. Um, I feel like I, the I, podcast I've abandoned it, you know? Yeah, dude, I was I was looking you up before we chatted and I, I'm like, man, you've, you've abandoned yeah. this. It's been, been two years. Yeah. I think years. the last thing I have, there's like DJ mixes. Cause I did some DJ mixes over the pandemic. That was like my pandemic thing. That's right. I did a trance yep. mix and I did like another, like a hip hop mix and whatnot. And that was like my thing. Cause nice. it yeah. kind of got me to challenge myself a little bit in, in, in figuring out how to do the DJ aspect of Ableton live, which is an amazing, amazing feature. Um, totally. So yeah. So yeah, Twitter, Instagram, 
SoundCloud at Dragon Beats. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of the best way if you want to connect with me. And the podcast, uh, West Box yeah. Score podcast. The podcast is called the West Box Score. Um, we're on Twitter and Instagram as well. It's at West Box Score. Um, you can follow us there. We'll post when new episodes are out. Sometimes we comment on certain games that are happening. So that's cool. Like live commenting and whatnot. We try to sound funny. I don't know if we are. At least I try to sound funny, but I don't know if I am. <laughs> hey, I enjoy them. I enjoy the banter. I enjoy <laughs> the different personalities. I think it's yeah, great. Yeah, but yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for being on. And I look forward to having you again another time. Thank you so much, Neha, man. Thank you so much for having me on. And I really appreciate it, bro. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And thank you, Donald, for your time. Make sure to follow Donald at Dragabeats, D-R-A-G-G-A-B-E-A-T-S. That's his moniker on almost every social media channel. Make sure to give him a follow and make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Leave a review. doesn't matter how many stars you leave. Any kind of engagement is great. Thank you all so much. I have a few episodes lined up. Stay tuned. Bye.